This is No BS, a series of authentic conversations about the world of work. My name is Dr. Carlin Borosenko. I'm an organizational psychologist, and I work with individuals and organizations all over the world to help them create amazing work experiences. And I'll be honest, in the work I do, I run across my fair share of nonsense. In this series, we are going to call BS on the things that are just completely unnecessary in the workplace and explore how we can do them better. Ready to go? Let's get started. Spoiler alert, if you are offended by swear words, this is not your episode. But for my money, it is one of the most fun conversations I've had in a long time about the world of work. I had a chance to connect with Amy, who's a senior HR director and just all around amazing person. And she wanted to talk about how she's much more comfortable working in environments where you can swear. And so we had a great conversation about different types of swear words, what's appropriate, what's inappropriate, what's a right context for a swear, what's an inappropriate context for a swear, some rules and guidelines to think about. It's a wonderful conversation. So even if swear words make you a little cringy, stick with it, test it out, get outside your comfort zone because, well, it was fun and it was funny and we laughed a lot and man, she definitely said some swear words that I have never heard before. Uh, We do actually have really concrete points to draw back to swearing in a real world environment that might make you think and might make you look at swearing a little differently. I can't tell you how excited I am about today's episode. When when my guest today, Amy, sent in her topic, I just thought this was this is absolutely the perfect thing that I want to talk about. Because just as a little confession, I swear like a sailor. I really try not to when I'm in polite company, but but sometimes I just can't help it. And my friend Amy wants to talk about how she's much more comfortable working in an environment where she can swear. I was like, this is fantastic. So if you're offended by swearing, this might not be your episode. You might want to go listen to some of the other ones. But Amy, I wonder if you can just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your experience. Absolutely. Um, I am the director of HR for a uh, commercial subcontractor in construction. So uh, my environment right now is very masculine heavy um, and and rough and tumble. And that's what I'm doing right now. But I come out of cultures that are um, very corporate, uh, finance, religion, uh, Christianity especially, but a bunch of different religions and, and other environments where uh, what's considered appropriate is a much smaller box. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and I even think it's even more fascinating if you're doing kitchen, it's like an HR director who's like, yes, very pro swearing. How did that happen? That happened. Yes. Um, actually, when I was interviewed for this position and I'm new in it about six weeks, um, which is why I reached out because um, it is so refreshing. When I was interviewed for the position, one of their main concerns was that their HR person was going to have a problem with swearing. Um, and so uh, <laughs> part of the conversation was around how I have uh, middle school aged boys and how we're teaching them how to swear appropriately and basically uh, code switch for different environments. So school is one environment, church is another environment, 
friends and family is yet another environment, home, etc. And there are places where it's acceptable. Um, and even in our home where all of us, my 14 year old, my 11 year old, my husband and myself, we all swear like sailors as you do. Um, even at home, there are, there are ways to swear that are appropriate and ways to swear that aren't. Um, and in the interview, I had this conversation about teaching my boys what that means and what that feels like and giving them the space to figure it out and make mistakes in that process so that when they become fully functioning adults in the workplace, then they will be able to, to do the code switch as it's appropriate. Yeah. So I think it's fascinating because I don't have kids, but I was actually just having a conversation with my friend who has a very young daughter and he swears like a sailor too. And he was actually telling me that he was teaching her how to swear. And I thought, is that a problem when she goes out in public? And he said, no, because we've taught her when it's appropriate to swear in the house and not to do it outside. And apparently kids listen when you tell them to do things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I remember... I remember very clearly being in the fourth grade and swearing was not okay for any child. And I remember sitting on top of the jungle gym at school during recess, swearing my happy ass off and thinking I was the coolest thing because no one taught me, "Mm, no, maybe not. Yeah, right. And I I remember very specifically, like being very excited when I could tattle on my younger brother when he was swearing and he wasn't supposed to be. (laughs) (laughs) That's your job. I know, I know, right? But now, I mean, it sounds like it sounds like you've worked in some conservative places where swearing was just not part of the culture, right? Well, you know, interestingly, um, when I say I worked in religion and I worked in a church uh, as a full-time position, the staff swore regularly in meetings, but not among the parishioners, <laughs> which is its own. Bad? Instead of code switching, it's very funny. Yes, it's a, it was a very progressive um, congregation, and among certain circles within the congregation, it was accepted, and out in the general, you know, kind of coffeehouse feel, not acceptable. And so you, you code switch even within the environment. And as an HR person, you know, I wouldn't walk into a, a training session with some of my, my field workers like I did um, last week and like I will do tomorrow and, and let the swear words fly because that's a, a different persona that I have with that staff who doesn't see me every day. Um, but here in the office, when, when I hear my boss, you know, get frustrated with himself and say, what the fuck did I do uh, down the hall? I just giggle because that's, that's how how the language is in the office. It's very interesting, the dynamic and the code switching that goes on, even within one organization. Now, you keep using the term code switching, and I just want to make sure we have a common understanding of what that means. Can you tell me about that? Sure. So um, my understanding, and, and it may be completely wrong, but my understanding of code switching has to do with um, people of color, having to behave differently um, in spaces that are traditionally Caucasian. And so an African-American will behave very differently in a workspace that is predominantly white than they will at home with their family who may or may not be completely African-American. And so um, we all learn what's appropriate for our situation, but the speech pattern changes for people of color 
when they're at school versus when they're at home versus when they're with their buddies versus et cetera. And so my understanding of code switching has to do with, you know, knowing your audience and changing your language to fit your audience. Okay. That makes a ton of sense. So I think the biggest question I have is how do you know if it's an appropriate audience to swear in front of what, what, how can you figure that out? Um, you know, I think it has to do with, for lack of a better term, safe space. You know, we, I think our culture right now is, is uh, in the United States at least, is universally frustrated um, with politics and with, you know, media and with, with all of the things. And so there have been a lot of frustrating conversations that people kind of have to wiggle around and negotiate and have a really good sense uh, for body, body language and tone and um, do a lot of listening and, and hearing how the other person is using language and then mirroring that back. And then the, the reflection between two people or a group of people, then we all kind of coalesce into a common language. And that's part of workplace culture, right? We one new person comes in and the workplace culture shifts. Well, part of that has to do with language as well as body language and, and you know, uh, work ethic and those kinds of things. But this whole language conversation, we, we see and hear how other people are communicating and then we reflect back and that person sees us and they reflect back and then eventually we gel into what's appropriate. And every time someone new comes in, it's, it's a it's another dance, and so it's just like when you when you meet a person that you think is attractive and you want to engage that person, you start doing a dance, right? What who are you, and are you going to put your best face forward, or are you going to be honest and real? Um, and I think the 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 language piece of it and the swearing piece of it is it reads as honest and real. Um, and so, and people appreciate that right now. And, and so for me, that, that's something that I enjoy, enjoy about my workplace right now. I, I think that's such a fair point that, that, you know, swearing, it presents as a, being a little bit more authentic than when you don't. And you, I think the point that you made about people really searching for that authenticity right now, when it might seem that we're living in a relatively fake, contrived experience is something oh, that absolutely. that is really really an interesting thing to think about it is and then there of course then there becomes you know the the question about what's not appropriate for swearing that like, was you know the i'm fine with everyone in my environment swearing in general when they're frustrated using using the f bomb as an adjective just because um i don't have a problem with those things it's when swearing in general becomes swearing at someone that's an entirely different conversation so um, oh, okay so, so this is this is interesting because this is one of my questions it was like what are appropriate swears versus inappropriate swears but it sounds like what you're saying is appropriate context versus inappropriate context absolutely absolutely so if you're frustrated with an employee that is the time when you had best um separate out the swear words and address their behaviors using a more 
uh, a more appropriate workplace um, corporate culture type of language. This is what you did. This is where the problem lies. This is what the procedure is, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This is what I would like you to do in the future. And there had better not be a swear word in that conversation for me as an HR person. If you're addressing a, uh, an employee issue, that all needs to kind of be cleaned up. Otherwise, you're swearing at someone, and that's a different conversation. So it sounds like, you know, swearing is okay if you're swearing out of frustration with yourself or frustration with maybe, go ahead. Technology, my computer is not working, Um, you know, I'm on a deadline and I'm just not meeting it. Or like this morning, I took my computer with me on, on some travel this weekend and worked through the weekend. This morning, left the house late, got all the way to work walked into my office, no computer. Oh, I know exactly what I would have said on that. (laughs) Fuck me. What? what, (laughs) You know, I just seriously, right? And so I had to drive all the way home and all the way back for and get back by a nine o'clock meeting. And here it is 822 and I live 20 minutes away. So how am I going to shave off those four minutes to get back here on time? And so, you know, that I'm not swearing at anybody but myself for for not, you know, setting myself up for success last night as I normally do on a Sunday night prep for the week. I had just gotten back from traveling and laundry was the priority. But walking in the office and realizing what I had done, oh, absolutely, there was a swear word. I didn't say it very loud, but I definitely said it. <laughs> See, I know, I know, because I almost left my house the other day to to go get on a plane. I almost left my computer at the house. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I'm getting into my car and I put my keys in the ignition to drive to the airport. And I looked at my bag and I I realized my my computer wasn't in it, which is probably the one critical piece that I needed for this trip. And I was like, motherfucker. Ah, motherfucker. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Clean underwear we can do without a computer we can't. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, so we can swear when it comes in context of like us being frustrated with a silly mistake that we made. I think there's also something to be said for swearing when it, it's just, it's funny and can provide levity to the situation. Oh, absolutely. And when I was teaching my boys, that was lesson number one. The first time I heard a swear word from, I think my son was eight at the time, and he's 14 now, we had the conversation, okay, right now when you're eight, if you're going to swear, it better be funny. And there have (laughs) even been times, there have even been times when one of my children has said something and I've gone, huh, I think he was trying to be funny. And again, giving him the space to figure it out, I said, okay, I see what you're trying to do here's why it didn't work. And, you know, then there's the conversation about comedy and that type of stuff. But here's why it didn't work. Just be aware of that for next time. And they've had some super funny swearing rants before. And, of course, there, we all get into a, uh, a, a cycle where maybe it's too much. And we go, you know what, the mouth has gotten a little bit out of control and you just back up a step and go, okay. But it's to, for our culture at large to, to kind of put a blanket over it and 
say it doesn't exist in the workplace is like saying, oh, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't exist that um, my guy who's working on a roof didn't put up a, a line on the edge of that roof line to show that, you know, that that's the edge of the roof and there's an OSHA-compliant regulation. And to say that that doesn't exist is to just gloss over something that's important and real in the workplace. And language is the same thing. Yeah. And you know what's so funny, I find with the workplace specifically, and, and this just happens with groups that I've worked with, where young professionals, and I'm, I'm categorizing them as basically like 30 and under, they, are, they feel <laughs> like if they're not professional if they swear. But the higher that I go up the ladder and working with more, you know, if I'm working with an executive group or a board or something like that, they're dropping those words like left and right they don't care anymore. Yeah. And so it's like the most powerful people in the company, in my experience anywhere, oftentimes the most, um, the most, uh, you know, open to swearing. Exactly. And part of that, um, and this has, this has the possibility to get into a political conversation. Part of uh -oh. that has to do with power. That has to do with power, right? When you have a higher salary, when you have a title, when you own the company, when you are president of the United States, you can say whatever the fuck you want, right? And that's, yeah. that's, that's where, where the line gets very fine. And so just because those executives are swearing, you know, in their inner circles doesn't mean they're getting on national television and ranting about things they don't like. They are code switching, and so our current leader does not code switch. And some people find that great and other people find that disconcerting. Mm -hmm. And so that's a, that's a whole other conversation. But the ability to swear without, without feeling um, as though you are doing something wrong comes with title, it comes with money, and it comes with power in a workplace. Mm -hmm. I also think it has to do with um, just, uh, I, I think the more you go up the ladder and the more power you get, the more just empowered as a person you feel. And anyone can be empowered at any level of experience or authority, but it's just a lot easier to feel empowered when you're at the very top. And I think once you get a feeling oh, sure. of being empowered, it's, it's like you start to question, well, why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? And then you start to do things and they're not be consequences for you doing those mm -hmm. things that you were always afraid of. And so I think that's part of it too. Sure, that makes sense. So then the question becomes, how do we empower our um, entry-level employees to be their fullest selves? Oh, gosh. <laughs> that's a question I wrestle right? with that's, every day. <laughs> that's, that's a whole other podcast, right? It is. But I mean, it's, it's a very fair point because like I said, anyone can be empowered and it's just a matter of learning that you have control over your experience, more control than you've probably ever given yourself credit for. And that it's okay to kind of go into situations with that confidence that, um, that nothing anyone really says or does can hurt you if you choose not to allow it to hurt you. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And there, there is a, there's a, definitely a, a, a skin that you have to develop for that. Yes. That says, yeah. you know what, that's not me. And even, even with the swearing, when someone is on a rant, to be able to separate and say, oh, that's not me. That's their, that's their thing. Mm -hmm. and, and that's not something that I need to deal with. And I can just sit here and observe and try to be helpful in the process. 
You know, I think that this is really interesting and I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent here if you'll allow me, but I, I'm just, I would be fascinated to hear your thoughts on it is um, I actually, like I started reading the book, um, The Coddling of the American Mind last week. Have you heard of this book? I have heard of it and I have friends who have read it and who have recommended it very highly. And now of course I will go and buy it. Oh my gosh. It is, it is. And I'm only a little bit ways into it, so I can't speak for the full breadth of it, but it is absolutely terrifying. And what it is, it's, it's traced the, uh, the, what's happened since the emergence of these safe spaces on college campuses, which only happened like five years ago, where students started speaking up and saying, I don't want you teaching me this great work of world literature without having a trigger warning. And I don't want this person coming to campus to speak because the very fact that they are on campus is going to um, uh, emotionally harm me irreparably. And I need a safe space where I can play with puppies and, you know, color or something to, to, to um, account for that. And, you know, when it comes to the workplace, in, I think the really terrifying thing when we get into work is that we are so many higher education institutions are taking so many actions to really coddle this population that they don't know how to, they haven't been able to develop that resilience of, you know, being able to deal with adversity, deal with pain and come back stronger. And, and that's something that's really concerning to me um, as we start to progress, even getting in more of this new generation into the workplace. Absolutely. I agree with that. And that comes, of course, of a, the trajectory of a generation that was raised by helicopter parents and who were programmed to death after school every day and every bit of their existence has, has been overseen by someone else. Um, and, and they've been protected from things where it used to be kids climbing trees and you fall on the grass and you break your arm and off we go. Well, now this is going to get wide, wide into a web network of other ideas, but when you don't have insurance, then your kid can't climb the tree, and then et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so these kids are constantly made to feel safe. And as a parent, again, who's teaching their child to swear, I still struggle with the, okay, what is this going to mean for them as they are growing into adult men? Am I teaching them the right way to do this, et cetera, et cetera? Um, but yeah, the conversation about safe space has become, you know, <laughs> you said play with puppies and, and be safe and all of that. To me and, and my generation, and I'll share that I'm 44, um, to me, that's self-care, that you go out into the world and you experience all of the challenges and you have the heartbreak and you have the, the disconcerting things that trouble you. And then you go home to your safe space your home is your safe space and you do the things that you need to do to decompress. You read and you watch TV and you spend time with your family and with your pets, et cetera, et cetera. That is, that is not, no one in the world is responsible for that, but me. And I'll admit it took me to my forties to learn that. But yes, the conversation about not being able to handle challenging, difficult conversations because we feel threatened that I am very uh, interested in reading that book. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating. And uh, maybe maybe I'll do an episode on it in the future. Maybe we can even come back and have a book club. We'll, get, we'll, we'll recruit some other people to read it and we can have a chat about it. <laughs> Absolutely. The, the Workplace Book Club. Yes, I think that'd be fantastic. So, but let's get back to our topic, which is, which is swearing in the office. Because <laughs> now, now I just, I just, I want us just to, to, to really get into this and to just like 
really relish in some of these amazing swear words we get to use. Um, so I was watching, um, you remember George Carlin, like the seven words you're not allowed to say on television? Oh my gosh, I love George Carlin. Yes, I do too. I used to always use him as the example for to teach people how to pronounce my first name, and then people stopped knowing who George Carlin was, and I was shocked and very sad. And what a shame that is! Yes. Oh my god! But so I was. I watching. do not recall what were the seven words. Um, I don't. I they were they were. I should have had a list ready for the podcast. It was like it was definitely fucker, motherfucker was in there, tits, shit. A couple other things, but I actually watched that scene again or that skit again um, a couple of weeks ago, and I remember thinking these words are so innocuous compared to some of the words that we're using today. And and I, I wonder, like, what are what are appropriate swear words for the office from your set of standards? Oh well, sorry, I just found it. <laughs> the seven are <laughs> shit. I had to look it up. Shit, piss, fuck. Cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. <laughs> and so that's interesting. Um, so for me, uh, probably four of those are still not okay. I'm I I can't do cunt. I can't do it. it mm-hmm. I think I have called used that word one time, and again, it was in reference to a person, which is where I draw the line. Like, don't call people names. That's not okay. Um, well, no, I think cocksucker is still okay, but only only in a very close circle. Um, but but shit, damn, fuck, asshole, you know, in reference to yourself, I think there's a, a vernacular um, that that those for me are okay. Probably I I would draw the line at tits, not because of the swear word, but because of the Me Too movement, you know, reference yeah. to body parts. You know, um, uh, anything that's phallically related probably is not a good idea uh, and that kind of stuff. But shit, piss, and fuck, I can definitely do. I will. I, I pretty much co-sign that. I feel the same way about the word cunt. I just don't, I don't like it. I feel like the word tits is just kind of superfluous. It's just like, I can't think of a context in which I would really use that in. Um, I will say right. this. I was actually doing a workshop yesterday at this conference I was at, and we were, we were doing an exercise where um, it was appropriate for people to make some assumptions about what type of budget they had to work with for the sake of doing the exercise. And how I introed it was like, um, I said something to the fact of, don't make the assumption that you have $1 billion to use for this exercise. That's not appropriate. Don't be a dick. And that seemed to be appropriate. Like, I, I think dick in that context oh, yeah. is okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dick is totally appropriate. Um, what's interesting, when going back to the word cunt, is that I think when, when we as a culture, all of us, on all of the gender spectrum, when we can all identify the difference between a vulva and a vagina and labia, then we can use the word cunt. Until then, we're not allowed. Until then, we're not allowed. Yeah, when the general population can differentiate female anatomy, then we can use that word. Mm-hmm. And not until. I can get on board with that. <laughs> I, I also say a word that wasn't on the list, but it's just what I don't tend to use unless I'm really angry and then it's probably not appropriate is the word bitch. I just don't like that word. I think that it, it just, it, it serves no inherent value to me. No, and again, that's uh, it's gender specific, yeah. and so that's whereas shit, piss, and fuck are not. Yeah, yeah. Except you I know, did, and go ahead. 
No, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I, I just reminded myself that I definitely do use that word when I'm referring to my little chihuahua to say, oh my God, she's such a little bitch. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and that would be the appropriate use of the word. So you're good. For liter- literally the appropriate use of the word in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but isn't it, then we get into the conversation about um, swear words that are derogatory toward women mm-hmm. and not toward men. Or, or it, saying it to a man makes it derogatory because it's about women. So that's where, where cocksucker comes in. Mm-hmm. You know, or saying cocksucker because that references someone as being uh, male and gay. And so so some swear words, and I remember reading a blog about this at some point or a, some other social media post where it was about um, how many swear words are, are a derogatory because of the male-femaleness of them, that it's a female attribute. A tr- uh, put on a man and that therefore makes it uh, a swear word mm-hmm. like pussy and right? I, absolutely and that was at the top of the list don't be such a pussy well yeah. you know you've seen the memes those things can take a beating you know so, <laughs> really what are so what, what's so bad about that I mean really what it's saying is you're soft and you're feminine and therefore you're no good and so that um, the gender specificness of a word changes its level of appropriateness, I think, too. Mm-hmm. Well, I also think it's interesting that with that word specifically, like women seem to be really taking that word back in regarding Absolutely. to like knitting those pink pussy hats for the women's march and stuff. Um, yep, I had them in a variety of colors. <laughs> Only because my mother crochets. That's the only reason. Oh, there you go. There, I'm an avid knitter, but I wasn't knitting a lot at that time. And I feel like I should go back at some point and, and approach that project. <laughs> of course. But as a code switch, there are only p- certain places where you can wear those. Yes, that's very true. It's like, wear, it's like wearing a MAGA hat. You know, you need to know your audience. Isn't that funny? I actually hadn't thought of that hat as really in relation to the MAGA hat. Huh. So many it's, it's, a, it's, an interest, it's an interesting response that, you know, how attire um, has, has political connotations. So we have, you know, the MAGA hat that's made in China, but, um, you know, the Napoleonic uh, uh, style of dress, you remember Josephine and her umpire waist um, dress. <laughs> Came, came with a very minimal fabric, came as a direct result to the big, um, the, the high wigs, the powdered wigs, and the big hipped, um, huge dresses of the time. And so in order to appear as though they weren't um, ostentatious, the fashion changed to reflect a political, um, a political bent. They wanted to show that they weren't ostentatious you know, royalty that they were govern- governing with a sense of austerity. And so the fashion changed and that's, you know, fashion is a thing. So pussy hats and mega hats and all of that, politics and fashion are wrapped up just as much as swear words and language are. Fascinating. Fascinating. What is your favorite swear word? <laughs> oh, I have to think about fuck a doodle doo. <laughs> 
I say it, I say it all the time with that edge of humor because it's fuck, but it's like fuck a doodle do wake up and do it right right you know what I mean so it has the humor attached to it and the wake up and pay attention cock a doodle do and you know of course cock you know thrown in there but fuck a doodle do I say all the time oh my god I love it I've never heard that one before but I feel like I'm gonna be repeating that over and over again now (laughs) I think I think it might be original I think it might be Um, I think my favorite one that I've been using lately is, um, and I use it kind of, I don't even know why this started, but I use it when I'm genuinely surprised by something and I've been using it a lot in public lately. So if something surprises me, I'm just like, holy shit. And people around me always have this little shocked look that I just threw that out there. Like I, like I did it down at the hotel with like the guy at the front desk and he, he looked at me, his eyes got really wide and then he smiled and cracked like a big laugh. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I say holy hell a lot. Holy hell. <laughs> like I'm in hell and it, this is a, a sacred moment that I need to learn from. Holy hell. Right. Oh, I Which is interesting because I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily believe in hell. So that's all the more funny. But um, <laughs> I, uh, one day was in my boss's office and um, I, I unfortunately coming from a religious background and my mother's, just said Jesus Christ all the time when I was growing up, Jesus Christ. And my bosses are Jewish. (laughs) I said it in my my boss's office and he goes, interesting. What does he have to do with it? (laughs) So, you know, just terrific humor. And I was like, "Eh, yeah, I just turned around and walked out. Like no big deal, but it was just, huh, what does he have to do with it? I don't know. I have to ask my mom that because she said it daily when I was growing up taking the Lord's name in vain so um what would your advice be for leaders who just say you know no I'm not comfortable with any swearing in this environment like and that's their approach what what would your advice be as an HR director you know what I think that's totally appropriate I it, it really depends on the context of your business and the way um the culture of your um, of your workplace runs. I mean, of course, you know the the president of Chick Fil A is not going to have the same approach to swearing as, as as a construction firm does. My firm was started by by three guys who thought they could do it better than their bosses, and so they left and formed their own company, and they did it better than their bosses did. And that's why they're successful and, and have a very big name in, in their area. But they were three construction guys who started their thing, and so they swore like construction guys. So that workplace culture of of um, of transparency and 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 teamwork and all of that has filtered down over forty years now into the next generation of the family and the work the culture has not changed. What's interesting is that being um, the first HR person they've had and being here for six weeks, they were really afraid that I would want to change that, and I don't. I want them to keep the same culture that they've had for these 40 years. I just want them to be, um, to help bring them up to date on compliance, to help them, to help navigate their ascent into the the next level from small business to medium sized business. And so I think that every uh, leader needs to determine that for themselves. 
And of course, as all HR should be, whatever your policy is, is what your policy is. Just make sure you apply it consistently. So if our policy is swearing is fine, we need to make sure that our new folks coming in know that and that they're ready for that culture. And we need to make sure that we, we communicate with the staff where the line is drawn. The line is drawn at you can't swear at someone. You can swear about situations or just as a general, you know, that was fucking awesome, that type of thing. But you can't call people a bitch and you can't call people a cocksucker and you can't, you know, that's where the line is. And so whatever the policy is for, for an organization that fits their workplace culture and their mission and their vision and their values and who they are as a body of people at work, um, just make sure it's communicated clearly and applied consistently and, and you're good to go. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't want every workplace to be, um, to be as, as, as free with the swear word. That would make me very uncomfortable if my uh, insurance agent was swearing at his receptionist <laughs> or swearing <laughs> to his receptionist when I'm in to sign a thing. You know, that would, I would go, who? But, you know, my company's clients are other construction contractors. You know, it's a business-to-business relationship. It's not a, it's not a B2C, it's a B2B. And so that relationship is very different than when you have customers on the other side of a counter or, you know, an attorney on the other side of, of a client or a medical professional. You know, those situations are, are very different. But again, it's part of an upbringing to know that you behave differently at school than you do at home. You behave behave differently in front of your grandparents than you do in front of, you know, your older brother and sister. And so um, having an understanding of reading the room and knowing your audience is is part of the the employee's responsibility um, on the other side of that. Awesome. Awesome. Any closing thoughts to wrap up this conversation? This is fucking awesome. I totally I want to be on your podcast again. And, <laughs> and I he, promise if it's, if it's an issue that I'm explicit, I will clean it up because I can code switch. Listen, well, we're, we're going to test it out. We're going to see how it goes with this episode because I think we may have even gotten a little gratuitous with this episode, but I, I had a ton of fun with this one. You are absolutely invited back anytime. And I am 100% serious about doing that book club. That's something that I'm, I'm definitely going to try to organize as soon as I, as I finish reading the damn book. <laughs> well, how about, yeah, finish the book. And in the meantime, I will write the one, uh, co- The Coddling of the American Worker. Oh, fantastic. Oh my right? goodness. Let's all a- just get on all sides of the narrative, shall we? Let's do it. Amy, thank you so much for <laughs> joining me for this conversation. It was amazing. It was a pleasure and absolutely uh, the best uh, rebound from forgetting my computer at home this morning to start my Monday. So, <laughs> Excellent, excellent, excellent. How fun was that conversation? I probably could have just kept going for hours and not gotten bored with that conversation. And maybe we'll have Amy back in the future so we can have another good chat. But to wrap up, there were some really important points that I just want to make sure we reiterate and bring to the top of the conversation. 
First off, when you're swearing at work, the context, and probably in life too, if we're being very honest, but the context that you're swearing in is really, really important. Are you swearing at someone in a derogatory way? Or are you doing it out of frustration, something you did? Are you doing it to be funny? These things matter. The same word used in two different contexts can have completely different meanings, and it's important to evaluate the context in which you're using it. It's okay to swear at yourself. It's okay to swear at dumb things you did. It's okay to swear if you're frustrated at yourself. It's not okay to swear if you're insulting someone else or in the process of having a serious conversation with someone in which you're trying to elicit behavior change, things like that. So important to keep in mind. Also, it's important to consider which swear words you're using. Anything that's gendered could be really offensive to some people if it's used especially in the inappropriate context. And so we just want to keep these things in mind. But as Amy and I pointed out, sometimes these things are fluid and there aren't hard and fast rules for what you should and shouldn't say. But lastly, and we kind of skipped over this point, but I actually think it's really, really important. We talked about how executives or people who have risen through the ranks of organizations much, much, much more likely to swear than the average bear, at least in our experiences. And I surmise that this is a reflection of them feeling as though they're empowered. Now, separately from swearing, it's important to understand that feeling empowered is something that you can do right now. You do not have to rise to an executive level to feel empowered. It just involves giving yourself permission to feel empowered no matter what context you happen to be operating in. And if the result of that empowerment is that you swear in the office, guess what, folks? You're probably going to get away with it and people probably aren't going to call you out and you're probably not going to get in trouble. In some environments you would, but you know what? Take it out for a spin, give it a try, and see what happens. One of the biggest revelations I had when I started swearing in the office probably 10 plus years ago is that I didn't get in trouble for it. It really wasn't a problem. So why did I wait so long to start? Because it can be really fun, it can be really funny, and it can be a great way to bring levity and relieve frustration. So I'm a big proponent, two thumbs up. Now, if you want to join in on the conversation and tell me about some of the BS you've experienced at work, head over to nobsatwork.com. You'll fill out a short form just telling me how to get in touch with you and a quick word about what you want to talk about. Don't worry. You do not have to reveal your identity to come on the podcast. If you want to, that's perfectly fine. But you are also welcome to come on anonymously because I care far more about the experience than revealing who you are and the specific organization that you work for. So head over to nobsatwork.com. You'll also be able to find past episodes of the show. Now, if you enjoyed this conversation, I think you'll love my book. It's called Zen Your Work, and it's all about how to infuse mindfulness techniques into your work experience so you can reduce your stress, be more creative, be more productive, build better working relationships, and create a more fulfilling work experience. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can find me at zenworkplace.com. Of course, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, and you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Carlin B. Until next time, I sincerely hope you don't have too much BS at work, but if you do, we'll try to focus our energy in a more positive direction. 
reach out to me, we'll have a chat, and we'll figure out what we can learn from it to do it better.